is Guerrilla Project Management with Samad Aidan. We bring you engaging and thought-provoking conversations with today's leading project management experts and emerging influencers. I'd like to welcome you to this edition of the Guerrilla Project Management Podcast. Today, I talk with Mr. Bipin Shah, President and CEO of Cover Software, about the challenges and lessons learned from his company's experience integrating a number of tools that support software development and IT lifecycle management environment for one of the top 10 global IT companies. Covert's customer, a global leader in delivering technology solutions to companies throughout the world, had customers and project managers in the US and development teams in India, China, and other countries. They were using a mix of standard tools from different vendors and some homegrown tools to support individual phases of software development and IT management lifecycle. These tools were not well connected with each other and the information flow between the tools is mostly manual, lacking coordination and synchronization. The project integrated an internal business modeling tool, IBM Requisite Pro for Requirements Management, IBM Rose for Analysis and Design, IBM Test Manager for Test Management, and an internal tool for central project management and tracking. Here we go. Bipin, welcome to the Gorilla Project Management Podcast. Thank you. Can you give us a brief background on the global project you will talk to us about today? Yes, we're going to talk about a project for a very, very large uh, IT services company based out of India and how they wanted to bring several thousands of their developers together on a common integrated platform to bring uh, total transparency in the entire uh, software development environment. And um, that was the, the major thrust of the project from day one. How can they do this? And what technology should they choose to do this? And uh, are we the right people to deliver that? Okay. So um, in, in terms of uh, without going through a lot of the details, needless to say, we were selected for this project after they went through uh, two, three other technology evaluations. And um, <clears throat> since then, we have delivered and delivered well, I think. Okay. And Bipin, what were the business drivers for the project? The key business drivers are this, that as uh, these uh, IT services companies have grown, now, for example, our our uh, client is a four or five billion dollar company now, and they have multiple locations with, uh, you know, thousands of developers. You cannot operate in... Uh, islands of, uh, you know, uh, operations without the management being able to know what is going on in, in terms of the entire development organization. So the major business problem they're trying to solve is how does the management get a handle on what is going on at all these different locations on uh, hundreds of projects and with thousands of developers? How can they get a control of the cost, of the schedules, and of the actual quality of work that will be delivered? So though that is a major, major issue, and I'm not 
you know, it's not a one company issue. I think more and more as globalization is becoming uh, common, uh, more and co more companies are facing this kind of issue. And what was the solution that uh, you provided and why the solution was selected? So the solution we provided, we call it our Cover SOA-based omnibus integration technology. So when we, there's a meaning to every word in the name, I guess. Uh, so the SOA-based technology is service-oriented architecture that is important when you're dealing with uh, multiple global locations. Uh, the integration technology is to bring together all kinds of data from all these different tools. And we're talking uh, about 20 different tools that they use from different vendors. Some may be from Rational, some may be from Microsoft, some may be from uh, open source, some are in-house developed. So Cover had the task of creating an integration environment that is totally you know, integrating all these tools, not on a point-by-point -point tool basis, mind you, but through our bus technology. So it has to be a bi-directional integration for all of the data that is visible, uh, you know, across tool boundaries as well as across management levels. And I think that is the kind of uh, challenge that we're talking about here that we had to deliver on. So can you give us uh, more details on the project itself? How you structured um, the project, the timeline, and the size of the teams that were involved? So again, I won't go into the details of the technology selection that we went through for almost uh, a year before we got involved with the project. But the project was divided into three phases. First phase was called the POC, the proof of concept phase. And there we had to integrate three different tools. One was a requirements management tool, one was a project management tool, and one was a test management tool. All of these had to be shown and demonstrated actually in their system to work uh, with the desired types of uh, specification that were set up. and. Uh, not only work, but work in, you know, in their environment, under their security uh, criteria, and so on. In phase two, they would bring, uh, we would bring four more tools uh, to the table, like more ID type of tools. And the second uh, criteria in this phase was that there'll be at least about 2,000 production users brought to the to the operation of this system. And, and so that was phase two. And in phase three, uh, again, more additional integrations, uh, different types of IDs, uh, modeling tools, uh, uh, architectural tools, uh, functional test tools. So things like, uh, you know, rational software architect, rational software uh, modeler, uh, visual studio, uh, rational functional tester. So all of these types of tools, again, had to be integrated. And this would be a production phase where everything had to work in production for 
up to about 6,000 people, right? And we have completed that phase as we speak and about uh, two months ago, and it is successfully operating. And the next phase is more of an internal phase for them to now keep adding the number of users and expanding the scope of the project. And it'll go to over 12,000 users in a matter of a few months. And, and that's the plan in the future, that, right? That is uh, the plan in the future, right? So basically, the, the platform had to be, from the beginning, one of the requirements is to, is to make it uh, uh, go uh, deployed across multiple countries, such as uh, India, China. Were there any management or users in the US? So all the management users in the US. So as you know, these companies work on a customer project basis. So all of the US project managers that are involved with their particular project will be involved in accessing. And so one of the things I have not said specifically earlier, that Cover is a totally 100% web-based, web-architected uh, product. And so there is nothing on the client side that resides as far as Cover is concerned. Everything is accessed through the browser. Uh, from the servers that the company installs to have the covert application. What is the plan for the application uh, in terms of what other countries are going to be involved in addition to India and, uh, and what your approach is going to be uh, for rolling out this application across multiple countries? Okay, so, so that'll, that is sort of the next phase. And uh, basically the approach here is that how can this be now expanded and expanded with controls and with the, you know, without violating all the security requirements, et cetera, without running into any uh, issues of, uh, you know, um, scalability, uh, and as well as managing all of the users uh, to their fullest satisfaction with respect to uh, the support level that we can provide, right? So those are the next set of challenges for which we are preparing. And internally, the company has to have a plan, which of course we're not privy to, in terms of what other countries. So, so far the first phase, as I said, is by the way, even though it is India, it is four different locations in India. So there, we, in, in some sense we're talking, you know, we could be talking four different countries, uh, except the only difference here is that they're all within the same company. But <clears throat> uh, when they do this globally, uh, for example, uh, you know, this company has presence in uh, Australia, in China, many countries in Europe, in US. So it is a totally global deployment uh, from that perspective. And uh, we have to be prepared to handle it on a global basis from the standpoint of any issues, uh, any, uh, you know, support and uh, any turnaround time that we can provide because uh, some of these things could be very, very urgent with respect to their particular end customer needs in terms of the SLAs that they're trying to meet and Cover has to be fully capable of meeting those challenges. And, and so far, through all the three phases that I described earlier, I think we've done well. So the uh, users in the U.S., um, are those primarily uh, managers or project managers communicating or interacting with the 
other managers and developers in other countries? The users in the U.S. are primarily project managers or project leads, yes. They will not necessarily deal directly with developers, but I think they will have access to the project information that they need in terms of, you know, the deliverables and the status and the, the, the budgets and whatever else that they need to access. Now, I want to go back and talk about how you approached gathering requirements for such a global project. We had a, a on-site discovery meeting at the headquarters in Bangalore to start with. So we had meetings at, uh, at the site, particularly with the, the tools group, the dedicated tools group. And uh, after that, we also have sent our people to a couple of the other sites in India to understand more of the, the details of you know, whatever impacts them from a, either logistics or installation or other requirements perspective. And then after all the discovery meetings, we have had regularly, very religiously weekly meetings and weekly, you know, uh, almost daily exchange of uh, emails and documents to go through all this. And, and that is how we have handled this project so far. We have a dedicated, very full-time dedicated project manager with uh, several subordinates that are supporting this project on a full-time basis for the last uh, year and a half or so. As I said, the second phase of this was documenting uh, all of these things. When we talk about some of the lessons learned later on, uh, we can talk more about the subject, but I, I would say that it was a lot of uh, real-time interaction between the companies to, to get to the requirements. And, and of course, uh, some of it are documented initially, some of them are not. Ultimately, it has all to be documented. And how did you handle testing the solution before you launched it? So first testing is always internal. We had to do internal testing to the best extent that we could, both from standpoint of you know functionality, scalability, how it performs because we're a web-based application, you know, the, the performance from that standpoint also is important. So we did that ourselves and then we did the testing at their site in their development environment which again required deployment of our people at the sites. And once the development environment testing was done, then we would support them doing some of the testing in the production environment. And that was a major support role. Uh, some of the issues that came up in those kinds of testing were uh, with some of the third-party tools. So for example, we're doing something with a tool and if that particular tool doesn't work with a particular version of a, let's say, Microsoft uh, operating system or something, then those kinds of things need to be further worked on, debugged, et cetera, because there is no way at our site we could test for things like that, right? So there, there was a lot of on-site issues that needed to be resolved. Now, once those are known, they can be resolved off-site but uh, some of the presence uh, on site is necessary for uh, getting to the bottom of some of these issues. And, and by the way, any company of this size has considerable security requirements on access to their network. And so that also has to be taken into consideration for your uh, you know, in, implementation of your system because you cannot access things remotely uh, which you may sometimes assume that you might be able to do that. So in a very, very secure environment, 
uh, things become even more difficult. Now I want us to talk about, uh, based on your experience, the, some of the tips and tricks and pitfalls that you can share with our audience. And um, in that uh, regard, uh, what were some of the integration issues that you faced? I think in, in terms of uh, the tools integrations with our uh, omnibus technology, um, we didn't really face any major issues. Okay, the the only issues may be that hey, you know, if something wasn't spec properly and it was missed, okay, did we have to go back and uh, correct it? And obviously, we did. So one of the issues, if you can, if I can translate that into a, an issue, is that okay, are the statement of work clearly written, clearly defined, clearly signed off? So that that could be one of the issues. And and some of the issues were the third party software issues, right? It is not our software that's causing the problem. It is not the particular integration. Uh, adapter that we are dealing with that is causing the problem or integration tool but it may be somebody else's software that's used either for security or for operating or for database where some of those issues come up and those are totally unanticipated you you said some of the tricks and so on right yes and i want to talk uh, a little bit about the challenges that customer or that you faced in getting support from the vendors uh, or external vendors of the solution that the solution was uh, was integrating? I, I would say that has been one of the more difficult challenges, right? Not, not necessarily. I, I think um, the reason it's a challenge is not because of, you know, lack of support necessarily, but some of the things that we have done are very pioneering, okay? And I say that, I'm not exaggerating, right? Saying, okay, I am now doing bi-directional data transfer between let's say 15 tools, right? So my uh, HPQC can receive inputs from a requisite pro or it can receive inputs from a defect tool or from somewhere else, right? And in many cases, some of these third-party tools may not have seen that kind of a you know, multiple tool interaction or integration. And so some of the problems that we come up with or faced may not have been known to them. And so it mm-hmm. it is not that their normal day-to-day support can answer those questions. We, in, in several cases, we had to convince these people that these were real problems and it needed elevation of the matter to, you know, higher levels of the organization. You know, as far as uh, other aspects of uh, language, communication, et cetera, we we didn't have any issues there because we were all talking uh, basically that the whole communication medium is English because everybody speaks English uh, in in the environment that we were dealing with. So there was no such issue. Were there any uh, uh, challenges um, with training or uh, or managing expectations or any resistance to change uh, with the new tool uh, being introduced to the user community? I, I think uh, the training, we handle it in two different ways. One was, uh, you know, there, there, there are two types of uh, issues, right? There's an internal training issue, meaning 
how our tool will impact the environment in which they are working and how does their internal training have to take care of some of those impacts, uh, which we didn't have a lot of control over. And the second part was the product training, meaning how do we train the users in our product using of you know our um, integration technology and so on. So we handled that uh, as much as we could with uh, you know proper documentation and so on. And uh, now actually, as this is expanding in production, we are doing uh, two, three weeks of uh, on-site as well as off-site training. Our trainers are actually visiting the, the headquarters and other people are joining in that training. In, in an organization like this, it has to be a train the trainers. You can't train everybody, of course. So, so that is how we are handling training. With respect to the user uh, resistance, I would say uh, not a lot in the sense that this is a corporate-wide adoption project. And I didn't tell you one thing so far, that this had visibility to the CEO level of the company. So we, we were not just dealing with, uh, you know, directors, VPs, etc. They were reporting regularly to their CEO. So when an adoption directive comes from the top, people understand that this is a company-wide adoption. Uh, we don't have much say anymore. So if we have any legitimate issues to resolve, yes, they should be brought up, but a resistance for the sake of resistance or sometimes uh, parochialism within companies will not be tolerated, right? Uh, I'll, I'll give you an example. Years ago, I used to work at Altera and we brought a CRM system, it was a Siebel system, not necessarily very easy to use for the sales guys. They still kept calling the customer service reps and the CEO, dictated that they will not call until and unless they have not found the answer in the tool. So when and then easy adoption takes place because people are told you don't have a choice. Uh, all right. And, and that is something, by the way, if I was to give you one uh, advisory type of input. Anytime a new tool is uh, going to be implemented uh, at any company, the management uh, you know, participation as well as management directives are very, very important. Um, yeah, and, and the reason I was saying some of these things uh, earlier, that sometimes we see a mid-management level initiative in uh, procuring these kinds of uh, either technologies or tools. And so there are two things that go wrong with it. One is that uh, they may not necessarily think of the entire scope from a corporate perspective as to you know when they procure or select how does it impact other departments and so on and why they should look at everybody's impact rather than their own and the second thing is mm -hmm. once they procure if there is no management involvement at the higher levels then then the adoption becomes difficult tell me more about some of the lessons learned um that uh that you uh, want our audience to know about based on your experience with this global role? Yeah, I, I think uh, the one lesson we have learned is um, the, the fundamental is that, hey, get your statement of work well documented, well thought through uh, before embarking on your project. Right? Now, easier said than done, but I think the more you strive uh, to do that, the better. 
Okay, so I, I would say getting the statement of work clearly defined. Uh, then, uh, you know, a very regularly scheduled, regularly attended uh, weekly status meeting, I think, is a must in something like this. And, and now with the technologies, you know, people can join from all different locations with the conference bridges that are easy, uh, WebEx meetings. Uh, so those kinds of things are, are essential in managing anything of this magnitude and this nature, right? And uh, the other lesson is that, you know, how do you properly plan your resources uh, to, to get the job done? And uh, anticipate you know, deployment issues in, in a, another environment, an environment that's not familiar to you. So we may do everything in our environment and say, hey, this is great, it works. But the minute you bring it to uh, your customer's environment, it falls apart. And how do you make sure uh, that you anticipate those kinds of problems, right? And, and mm -hmm. the, mm -hmm. the last thing I'd say is that one of the other issues uh, one runs into is the the versions of other software that you're going to deal with, right? So you say, okay, you know, we this internet, for example, Internet Explorer version seven or version eight are commonly used, but if your end customer is still using IE six, and you didn't anticipate that. You could run into problems, and and so those are the kinds of things I think that we have learned as we are dealing with uh, this size of project. What can people do to minimize or avoid the impact of uh, delays due to um, all of the external vendors that that need to be involved, that need to be uh, with their tools need to be uh, working um, in an integrated environment for the final solution to be to be completely tested. I, I think one advice I can give based on what we have learned is to do a better discovery upfront, saying, okay, you know, don't assume that they must be using IE7, right? Go ask them, what are they using? So basically saying all of the different software that you're going to interact with, get a good mapping, clear mapping of that. This may take uh, some time to do that, but I think getting that done up front then allows you to say, okay, what are my, uh, you know, test requirements now? You know, what do I use for um, uh, impact testing, right? Uh, which browser do I test with? Uh, or what version of the operating system they're using, right? So all those things, uh, you, one does not tend to be very careful in the beginning. Uh, we need to do a better job of, I think, discovering all that, documenting all that. And then sometimes the field team is not totally in touch with the, the internal you know, team that is doing the work. And so it's mm -hmm. very important that the field team uh, takes care of some of these kinds of uh, anticipating these issues. Okay. So as you look ahead at deploying the solution for other clients in the future, in other countries, anything you would change in your approach in the future when you're embarking on projects similar to this one? Yeah, so so one thing I would, uh, so everything that I said in the lessons learned, we would do better. And, and I think uh, 
I would also have a, let's say, a better dialogue up front in terms of the implementation expectations and so on, right? Uh, sometimes people on both sides assume things, right? And, and when you're dealing with uh, an organization that is very large, for example, our clients' uh, engineering development people may not even know or may not even understand what their security group is going to expect out of us, right? And we may have assumed that, hey, you know, security is their internal issue our tool or what we're doing doesn't even affect the security, but uh, we may learn that that is not the case, right? Uh, so that's why it is important not only to understand what your core uh, customer within that organization wants, but also who are some of their other uh, groups that they're dealing with and what would they expect out of you? I think that part is very, very commonly missed. And I, I think that it's important that we we think about all those kinds of issues, you know, uh, because the, the security group may say, hey, uh, we require your tool to do such and such, right? And we may uh, stare, you know, <laughs> create a blank stare and say, we're never told this, right? <laughs> so what do you do? But uh, yeah. without that, if it's not going to go into production, it uh, becomes your problem. Right. The security teams sometimes put their foot down and there's right. nothing you can do about it. But, but we never, typically, I shouldn't say never, but typically uh, people who are delivering on engineering solutions don't think about all these things, right? Saying, okay, my client is engineering, right? right? Bipin, any final thoughts for project managers planning a global rollout? I, I'd say that, okay, so, so the, the, besides, you know, everything I've said, that when you say global today, it is absolutely, truly global, because even though we may have done the rollout uh, thinking that it is India-based rollout, our end customer with our capabilities is going totally global, again, as we said earlier. So um, there will be issues that will come up that we have not even thought of, right? But I, I think the, the mm -hmm. issue, though, these days is that you have to be prepared 24 by 7 to be able to handle these issues because uh, the, there's no rest on today's clock. It's 24 by 7, right? Mm -hmm. That's the biggest thing to yep. understand. Yep. Uh, all right. Yep. Now, talking about... Um, you know, future projects, other countries. Um, as I said, we are looking at, it's not started yet, but we're working very closely with the Scandinavian company to do something with them. And so far, uh, it hasn't involved visits, hasn't involved deployment of people at, uh, you know, their facility or anything, uh, but it could happen in the, in the future, in the next few months. And, and it, we may be able to do it with just uh, short visits, understanding their requirements, understanding their environment, and then be able to do most of the things remotely. So, so one, one, again, input for your audience that in, in the interest of savings on costs, companies need to learn more and more what they can do remotely without having to send out an army of people, right? And 
using all the technological means that are available uh, to be able to do that. Okay? So, so from that standpoint, the consulting business will change, I think, as we go forward, saying, you know, you need less and less people on site. What uh, other projects you're working on these days? I, I think uh, one that is exciting, if I can use that word, is for a major uh, U.S. Uh, brokerage house, uh, and and that is again a, a challenging uh, project with respect to integration technology. Right, and and I think um, we're looking forward to working on that project. Uh, again. Uh, early, very early phase of that work is going on right now. Um, but it, it could be, you know, equally as big, uh, may not be as big, but, you know, a good size project uh, that's coming up. And Vipin, what, are, what type of systems are you uh, integrating with your tool for this uh, uh, brokerage firm? There are PPM tools. There are uh, configuration management tools, performance management tools, and uh, there are several sub-functions within the PPM that they use or focus on where there may be customization of things that they do, right? So that's, uh, <clears throat> that, that's you know, in a big picture, that's going to be the scope. And Vipin, where can people find out more about you and contact you? if they want more information. Yeah, so my name again, uh, Bipin Shah, and my email is the best way to reach me, bshah at cover.com. Uh, and our website, uh, again, www.cover.com, K-O-V-A-I-R. And I do like a monthly blog myself, uh, somewhat irregular in the summer in the last two, three months. Uh, and that is uh, coverblog.wordpress.com. Great. Well, Bipin, I want to thank you so much for taking the time to stop by and talk to us about your insights on the challenges and lessons learned from global rollouts. Thank you very much. You're welcome, and thanks for uh, taking the time to talk to us. You've been listening to Guerrilla Project Management. You can hear more Guerrilla Project Management podcasts on iTunes and read more at guerrillaprojectmanagement.com.